Hey, everybody. This is Patrick Hatchatori with No Struggle, No Story. And today on No Struggle, No Story, I'm super excited bringing on Sean Riggins, who is all Big Ten freshman honorable mention, defensive player of the game against Ohio State, and started as a freshman for the University of Indiana. So I'm super excited to be bringing you on, man. And uh, thank you so much for joining uh, me today. Thank you for having me. Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, me and Ashan spoke a little bit prior to um, the uh, podcast, and I think you spoke a lot with one of my uh, psychologists, Brett Woods, a little bit about kind of your story and like what you've been through with mental health and kind of learning through this journey. So if you kind of want to take us through a few of those events and what you've kind of gone through, that'd be awesome. Yes. Um, so uh, throughout my recruitment, uh, I wanted three things um, to play right away as a freshman, to get a great education, and to be somewhere close enough for my family to come and support me. Uh, and Indiana was like the perfect place for, for those three opportunities. And uh, which was why I decided to come to Indiana. Uh, I overachieved on playing as a freshman, I ended up starting uh, in out of 12 games. I uh, got a great education uh, and I'm continuing to get a great education here. Uh, as I just started my grad program in mental health and counseling education. Uh, and I'm only two and a half hours away from home, which is far enough away from home, but close enough just in case something happens. Uh, Absolutely. <laughs> oh, my family need to come out here. So uh, it's just a perfect location for me. Uh, and I don't regret my decision to come here at all. Um, my freshman year, uh, as I said, like I started eight out of 12 games and that might've been one of the most challenging years. Uh, my first time, you know, playing at a high, high level uh, with, like, it's different from high school because um, those coaches are teachers as well. So it's like, you know, if they're not coaching, they still got a teacher salary. Uh, when you get to college, like, these coaches' jobs and how they feed their families is based off of your performance. So the stress levels is, like, way higher. Um, and my freshman year, I, uh, even though I played and, and started uh, as a freshman, uh, I still struggled uh, outside of the field. Um, and there was times where, you know, I was just feeling lonely, uh, calling home, like wanting to transfer. And I just didn't understand what I was going through. Um, it was a lot of times where I had a good game. Uh, we had one. I would celebrate with my teammates and then go back to my dorm uh, and just alone, like in the dark, just not doing anything, not you know celebrating with my friends and teammates and stuff. And I just never really understood what I was going through. I reached out to my psychologist, uh, Dr. Day, and uh, I only talked to her like one time. And I was just, I'm thinking about transferring home, uh, which was ironically to the school that she had come from, Miami, Ohio. Okay. And, uh, I was just like, I don't know, super depressed, but didn't know. Like, I just didn't know because okay. uh, in the male and especially a minority male, we're told to play sports and try to get be a professional athlete. Um, like nothing else. That's literally it, nothing else. And so 
I had no understanding of what I was going through because I wasn't allowed to talk about my feelings or feel anything. I had to be tough. I had to, you know, stick with things. And so that whole tough mentality still carried on with me. Um, freshman year, very last play or the very last practice before we went to the Foster Farm Bowl game. And I was out for the bowl game. I got cleared literally like a day after the bowl game. Uh, that that was really like a, a hit to my career because, um, you know, it was the first bowl game we had went to. Uh, well, it was the second bowl game in a row we had went to, but this time we got to go play in Cali. And, you know, that's big for Indiana football right there. Who is not uh, historically known for winning and getting to bowl games, not, let alone back-to-back bowl games. And so um, it, it was very, like, a big hit on my career because I uh, – and, one, I felt like I, I let my teammates down and my family down and my hometown down because, you know, I was playing on this big stage game. Um, I ended up getting cleared um, after my freshman uh, – bowl game, I, I got cleared and was ready for spring practice. Uh, went to spring practice my sophomore year, uh, healthy um, and, and ready to go, ready to start the next season, the first spring season. Um, and it was a, a workout before uh, we had even got pads on and everything, uh, just a normal winter workout. Uh, I had passed out and collapsed uh, at the end of a workout. Um, Ended up getting up, walked from the indoor to the, uh, or, yeah, from the indoor practice facility into the training room inside the stadium and collapsed again. Wow. Uh, and uh, I didn't really come conscious. Uh, I don't know how long. It, it was well over three hours, though, because my family got all the way out here before I, like, really was fully conscious. Uh, and they really didn't know like out of all the tests and stuff that we did, like, I really didn't know what happened. Um, and, you know, we had just been getting more in depth into how concussions work, the type of effects they have on the body. Uh, and we still are learning about those. Um, but, you know, they just didn't have like a, a really clear Solid understanding of it. Yeah. And so um, that was kind of scary to me. Uh, and, it started putting out questions into my head about uh, what I was really doing with my, with my life. Um, and so, you know, going into sophomore season, uh, I'm doing good. I'm a starter. Uh, we get to game three and I get another concussion. Um, and it was a knee to head concussion. I, uh, That was that was a tough one for me. I was I was out for six weeks, um, oh. and I probably had a migraine for like a month straight. I uh, and during that time, I just was like, you know, really down. Um, I couldn't watch my teammates play. Uh, it was tough to just go out and play every week uh, without me being there, being able to help. Uh, and I just felt like super lonely. Uh, I I went home like. Every away game we had, I went home. Um, and because I just felt like that's where I needed to be. You know, I just went home. And uh, excuse me. And so uh, you know, I get back, 
after that six weeks, played the last three games, barely played, didn't like how I was played. And I was like, yeah, like, I'm not happy here. Like, I want to leave. Uh, ended up signing my transfer papers uh, and was about to go into recruitment. Um, and that's during that time of, you know, looking for another school. Um, well, I kind of already knew I wanted to go back to Ohio somewhere, uh, whether it be Miami, Ohio, UC, uh, Ohio University, somewhere over around there, closer to home. Um, during that transition, I um, spoke with another psychologist uh, and was just telling him how I had the pressure of, uh, you know, playing and being great and making it to the league from the pressure from my hometown and my family to do that stuff. Uh, and how I was questioning, you know, playing football, questioning like, is this the right thing for me? Uh, I suffered two concussions already uh, within a year and I passed, I passed out and still don't know, like nobody knew. I don't know what's going on. So it was very scary to me. Uh, and you know, I still continued to play uh, going into junior season. I uh, stayed at Indiana, obviously, but I was um, going through junior season, starting one week, not starting the next week. Uh, and that was like very, very frustrating uh, because I felt like I was doing the things I needed to do to be a star. Um, and, you know, I know like, in football, at the corner position, a lot of corners play. Like, you know, um, the starter's not going to play the whole game unless they necessarily have to. Uh, but, but you get rotated a lot. And but you still, it's still a different treatment as a starter than, you know, a second-string corner. Mm-hmm. And so I really wanted that starting spot. I felt like, you know, I deserved it and that I earned it. Um, and it was just, like, mentally frustrating uh, to – see that, you know, I wasn't consistently being a starter. And so um, this was, I don't know what week of the season it was, but it was Rutgers week, going into Rutgers week. It was a Tuesday, um, September 25th, uh, and I had attempted suicide uh, after practice. And during that time, I... You know, I just didn't have no, I didn't feel like I had a purpose. Um, and what I wasn't performing well, you know, from what I was seeing football from football-wise. Uh, and then I wasn't doing good in school. I was distancing myself uh, from my friends, wasn't being very close to them. And, you know, I just felt like I didn't really have a purpose. Uh, and so I get implemented into the hospital that Tuesday evening. Uh, you got to stay in there for like 72 hours. Um, and that would have taken us over into Friday afternoon after we would leave to head to Rutgers. Yeah. And I really wanted to get to Rutgers. Uh, so, you know, my psychologist was and my trainers was working with the hospital to figure out a way to you know, get me out of there by Friday morning or Thursday night. Uh, and it just was like almost nearly impossible that uh, quick of a turnaround, uh, especially if the client or if the patient isn't um, participating in meetings and things like that. 
And so the first night and a half, I didn't understand that. I um, was just isolating myself. I was saying in some pity. I think I read Hunger Games like twice. <laughs> and I was just not attending meetings or anything like that, just kind of making the situation worse. Um, and a girl came up to me and uh, changed my life pretty much. She said, uh, you know, because she had knew I was a football player and wanted to get out of there like fairly early. Uh, she was like, you know, you're not going to get out of here if you don't attend these meetings. Uh, and she was a patient as well. She had been there longer than me. And she was like, like, we're all a little crazy in here. It's just how you handle it. And like that right there, like really changed my life because for her to have that perspective uh, and she had been in there for a long time uh, and probably multiple times, uh, if I'm remembering correctly. Um, but for her to have that mindset was really like touching to me because like it, it's true. It's just like everybody have problems and it's just how you handle it, how you can go away, go about it uh, to help you or you know, twist it some type of way to benefit yourself. But there's different things you could do, uh, you know, with any you have. And so um, that really opened my eyes a lot. I, uh, which is very grateful for her to say something like that to me. Uh, still um, to this day, uh, I always say if I ever see her, like, again, I will like, offer her to, like, you know, take her out or something to, get dinner and talk about you know the journeys that we've been on uh, and see where she's at in life um but um that really helped i started going to the meetings uh and i ended up getting out friday morning to go to ruggers uh, i didn't play but i dressed i was there to support my teammates um and i so i, I missed a part but you know, after that second concussion, I had talked with my with my coaches about, um, you know, if I got another concussion, I would, you know, retire, hang up the cleats. And so I went through junior year, uh, had that suicide attempt, uh, came back after that, continued to play, um, and was still flipping back and forth as a starter. Uh, but I continued to play. And a part of me still was like, oh, I have to get to the league. Like, even after all of this, it was still a part of me saying, oh, I have to get to the league. Uh, and so I continued to play. Um, and then that spring season going into senior year, I had came up with the program uh, because I didn't want, you know, my teammates to go through what I went through. Uh, so I came up with a program to help them talk about, you know, any challenges that they have been through any accomplishments that they, you know, have went through and felt like they didn't get the recognition for it. Uh, okay. And so this was just an open space for male athletes to just talk and, you know, let loose uh, some of the interior uh, feelings that we have. Uh, and then I would give them some type of coping mechanism for like anxiety or depression or something like that. And then we would end on like a, a light, a light note, Talk about SpongeBob or something, just yeah, something for sure. like, like uh, just so they're not leaving there. Like, dang, I just got hit by a bus or something like that. Like, it to be a space where they were comfortable enough to come back. Um, and so the program didn't really like take off like I wanted it to because of a lot of reasons. Uh, 
people, you know, football athletes, uh, spring season is like in second semester is like a chill semester for us. We don't want to come back to the stadium if we don't have to. And I was given to come back to the stadium. So it just wasn't very ideal for my teammates. And I, I was understanding of that because I was in their same shoes. Uh, but they understood what I was trying to do. Um, and a lot of them would just reach out to me individually uh, and just want to talk about something that they might have going on in their life, which was way better than what the program could have done. You know, um, them to understand that, like, hey, I can talk to somebody. I got somebody in my circle was, like, way bigger than what the program could have done. Uh, so I was very, you know, grateful for those opportunities just to, sit down and talk with, with guys on my team about what they were going through and just allow them to, you know, get that out of them. Um, and then we went in. Uh, so I kind of shut it down. Uh, my girlfriend was pregnant at the time, so I just was focusing on my daughter getting here uh, in July. And so um, we go through camp, we get into senior season, and I – Pulled my hamstring first game, missed two games, came back, uh, played a little bit, uh, had some limited time. Um, and then the next week, going into Michigan State, I had a non-contact concussion, uh, kind of like a whiplash type of thing. And immediately, I just was like, I just knew, like, football was done for. Uh, and at the moment, it was, it was very challenging. Um, because it's like, damn, I won't be able to, like, I'm not playing anymore. Like, I will not put on equipment anymore. Uh, Absolutely. Something you've done your whole life. Yeah. And so, um, and that was just, like, my initial feeling. Uh, after a few days of, like, going through the medical uh, DQ, um, I kind of realized that this wasn't my path. Football wasn't my path anyways. Like, I never really – dreamed of being an NFL player. I never, like, had that passion in me for the game of football. I love playing basketball. I coach it, and, like, I love being around that sport. Um, I always say I'm better in basketball than I am in football. <laughs> it is probably true, but um, anyways, yeah, I, I medical DQ, uh, and the coaches knew, you know, that was my last concussion. Uh, they were okay with me walking away. Uh, but I was still able to support the team and, and be around. Uh, ended up going to the bowl game with them and things like that. Um, but, you know, uh, that was my career at Indiana. Uh, and, you know, the biggest thing that I probably took from that was that freshman year. Um, and not knowing the uh, mental health challenges that I was going through. Uh, I just talked with, you know, the Big Ten Mental Health Committee about this is, you know, really getting a hold of the incoming freshman athletes that, you know, we as a conference recruit because we're recruiting these people from, you know, different cities, different neighborhoods, different countries. Yeah. My neighbor was a field hockey girl uh, from South America. Yeah. So, and so, you know, we recruiting these people from different cultures and stuff. Like, that's challenging, you know, when Absolutely. people uh, are coming from different areas uh, and – probably can't even go back to their hometowns will preferably stay at, stay in college throughout you know? the entire year. Yeah. Um, you know, like that's challenging for people. Um, 
And so freshman year, I feel like it's so vital to, to our conference and to the mental health of our conference because, you know, that, that's a year where we should really know that, hey, we have a medical or a mental health support system. Like, blatantly say, like, we have a mental health support system. Like, you know, before training camp and everything, all the faculty, staff, advisors, and everybody, like, come in and give their little spiel of what they do. And then, like, the sports psychologist is sprinkled in the middle of there somewhere. And it's, like, it's really, like, overlooked, really. Um, and I know as an athlete, I didn't really, like, pay too much attention to it. Uh, Lucy was there, but I didn't know the importance of, of Dr. Chelsea Day, uh, and which she's now at Ohio State, but, like, I didn't know the importance of her job. And so I uh, didn't understand what I was going through and who I could reach out to, really. Luckily, I did reach out to her, but it was, like, one time because I just didn't know, like... What was going on? Yeah, what was going on. So uh, I always felt like my freshman year could have, you know, changed if I knew, like, the importance of her job and what she really did and how she could really help me. Because uh, later on in my career, like, she really did help me, like, oh. and, uh, really helped me change the perspective of things and how I view things and you know, how, how I take coaching and how I coach my the kids that I coach. And so just little things like that really helped, um, you know, my career and even my post-career. So uh, I really – was trying to think of ways to brainstorm and focus on, uh, you know, getting being preventative about the issue, um, and you know, and it obviously is going to start young. Uh, but I have planned for my real spill, real stories, real people foundation, uh, which you know a lot of people have uh, put more into that than I than I than it actually is. Uh, it it started as a program. Um, at the athletic center here after my junior year uh, and then launched like I wanted it to. Um, then I came up with the idea to throw an alumni basketball event at my high school uh, to raise money towards a scholarship for a first generation uh, low income student athlete. Um, sure. and so that's still in the works. Uh, my foundation is not like a nonprofit yet or anything like that, but uh, you know, I'm working on that. Um, and you know, that's, that's what I want to focus on with my foundation is uh, high school students. I feel like those are vital years, and I will be able to uh, mentor them, you know, coming out of their senior season, going into their freshman year of college. I'll mentor them for two years and transition them into another network that I'm in and uh, hopefully build this just pipeline of, you know, first generation and low-income students to you know, get into college and get into like a good career path and have a strong support system uh, for their mental health uh, and help them make, you know, those vital decisions early on in their college career. Um, yeah. that's, that's one thing like I didn't have, uh, I'm sitting here with a liberal studies major, um, which doesn't really do anything. Uh, <laughs> get a degree and you're, you're good. No. Um, get specialized in a degree and you're good you know that makes sure. more sense yeah so i'm standing here with the liberal studies major because i just didn't have the academic support you know from my family that or from a mentor that i needed uh to tell me like 
hey, like, you need to stick with this major. You keep switching. Like, don't don't dictate your major based off of football. Uh, you're a student athlete first um, and, you know, student first. And so, you know, all the – if you want to major in sports management, I don't care if practice is during that class. You got to take that class and adjust practice. You know, that's how it should have been, but it wasn't. It was – adjust my class schedule so I can make it and it just kept pushing me back I kept switching majors and then I had to go to a liberal studies major so I can graduate on time uh, within my scholarship uh, which wasn't the the plan ever so uh, I just want to be able to provide you know that type of support you know, academic support life support uh, to, you know a first generation income student from my hometown and show them that you know, um, like it's okay to uh, ask questions about things you don't know. Um, and it's okay to feel sad. It's okay to be happy. Uh, and not be okay. Yeah, like you have someone to, to talk to. You have someone in your circle. And I'm be able to provide, you know, the resources that they need to make sure their mental health is always going to be, you know, up to par for, for their standards. Absolutely. No, I think there's so much to take from your story. And thank you so much for sharing that. Because I think, first of all, it takes a lot of courage to be able to share your story to help others. And I think, you know, that's something that a lot of people look up to. And uh, I think it's amazing. But I think, you know, the first thing I kind of wanted to touch on, you talk about how important going into your freshman season was and how important that freshman year was for your development. Not, you know, a lot of people think coming in as collegiate athletes to develop physically and like you need to get bigger, you're going into college, like for football, I'm sure a lot of guys need to be gaining some weight, some muscle, things like that. But, you know, I found that the biggest adjustment is mentally 100%. And so my freshman year, I played at South Carolina and I was very similar to you. I was starting a decent amount of time, starting about half the season out the other half and um, I was judging myself completely off of whether I was starting or not. You know, that was, if I was starting, I was having a great week and like I was successful. If I wasn't, then man, like the, it was like the world was ending in my head and uh, you know, I was just distraught. And so I think the biggest thing I learned was that to kind of judge myself off of the person I was and like my experience and my ability to grow rather than I think, your sport and you talk about your path. So is that something that you kind of realized uh, at some point in your football career? Yeah. Um, you know, like I said, I've realized that, that my passion wasn't, you know, to go to the NFL or things like that. So, you know, when I realized that, uh, which was like going into my senior season, um, football became more of a activity to me uh, and it was fun. You know, I was out there having fun. Um, I didn't I didn't care really if I performed well or not. Uh, and not that I was performing bad. Like, I had a great, you know, fall camp uh, going into the season. But uh, I, I had fun. The stress levels had went down. Um, I was sick and coaching better. Uh, that's one thing that was really challenging to me. Uh, coming into college and throughout the, my college career was how I took coaching. Um, and I've always been a coachable guy. And I've never really been the kind to talk back, uh, but there was times throughout my career where I would get into an argument with, with my position coach because I just wasn't 
taking his coaching well, his coaching style well. Um, and he had to change himself. Uh, but uh, there was just times where, you know, I just wasn't understanding the message that he was trying to, you know, get across. Or he wasn't saying it clearly in a way that I should understand it. And, uh, you know, that mentally, like, plays a role, too, uh, that people don't really understand is um, the coaching uh, that you get is way different from you know, high school to college, uh, yelling at you, cussing at you, like, at 6 o'clock in the morning. They don't say good morning. They're like, yeah, football, football like, There's you no. know. Yeah, it's like not. It's not. How are you doing today? Uh, this morning, how was breakfast? Like, no, it's like you did this wrong. You did this right. Uh, like, this is the film. Let's fix it. Uh, and, and mentally, that's uh, draining to athletes because first thing in the morning, all they're hearing is negative things. Uh, nobody's asking them how their day went. How, did they get good sleep or anything like that? Nobody's checking on them as a person. Uh, we don't realize that because our coaches was taught this tough was coached in this super super tough way and not to say that coaches have to be soft now but they just have to be more uh humane um and really think about the things that they say to players and how they say it to players and when they say it to players uh my, my position coach changed a lot uh over the years uh because he realized that we're bigger than football he realized that it's it's okay to mess up. Uh, like it's going to get fixed. You got to fix or you won't play. It's that simple. I don't have to. Like he doesn't have to stress about yelling at people or anything like yeah. or anything like that anymore. He realized that you either fix it or you don't play. Yeah. And he can as simple as that instead of yelling, 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 like forcing you to do something. Like we're all like young grown men. Like and we have the opportunity to control, you know, our performance and, and can control our career uh, as college athletes. And sometimes you just have to give us that opportunity to do so. Uh, I think my college coach actually like, really realized that. No, yeah. and that's a great point because, you know, we talk about, you know, the topic of like the destigmatization of uh, mental health, you know, and like being able to talk about it more and, I think it's also really important that the coaching staff who you're with every day uh, realizes how important that is compared to just your sport, you know? And I think as to really honestly have the best team too, like if you guys are all in a great mental state, then you're going to perform the best. And I think, you know, it's really shocking how much checking up on a player or checking up on your teammate or things like that can really do for you. And like, cause when you feel like you belong and you feel like they care about you, you're going to very much so want to perform better. And like, I think instead of the motivation coming from like them, you know, screaming and then coming at you like that, I think having it come from a place of like heart that they want you to do better can really be a very different perspective that I think as people learn more about mental health that they can start to realize is that, yeah, like, if you go out there and you have a tough practice, but I mean, you laid it out and you sold, you sold out to what you wanted to do. I think that's a, that's a positive thing. And coaches also have to realize that sometimes. Right. And, and, and that's a kind of the perspective I, I take. Uh, Cause I coach AU basketball in the summer or in the spring and summer. Um, and 
I, I like to have fun with, with my players. Uh, I coach kids going into uh, sophomore years of high school or the junior years of high school. And so um, I like to have fun with them. And you know, I let them know all the time that, like, I'm here for y'all. If you ever need to talk about anything, like, I'm here for you guys. Uh, yeah, I'm your coach, but I'm your friend, too. Uh, and I'm here with you. I've gone through the things you guys are going through now. Uh, so if you ever need anything, you can reach out to me uh, if you feel like you don't have anybody else. And I feel like that right there uh, just allows the kids to play harder. Uh, let them know that, hey, I'm not going to get fired from if we lose a game or not. Like, we're still going to be a team. I'm not going to change your playing time if you play bad. Uh, like, guys just go out there and play, have fun. Uh, and that's all of it is just, I want them to have fun. Uh, and I think the difference between that and college is, you know, coaches, they're not thinking about having fun. You know, they're thinking about winning games because their job's on the line. But if they could figure out a way to make sure their players are having fun and make sure their players are okay, um, That'll change a lot. Uh, I think that was one thing that helped me after, you know, my suicide attempt uh, was the, the program here checking in on me as a person uh, rather than just a football player. Um, and it was, which was, hey, you go to the Dr. Chelsea Day this week. Like, you got a scheduled appointment for her this week. And I'm like, yeah, like, thank you. You know what I'm saying? Like, it was more, uh, I was more comfortable being in that environment uh, because they were checking on me as a person uh, rather than just football, football, football. Uh, And I think if they took that same, like, it shouldn't have to take someone to almost take their life for them to feel that way. Uh, it should be off the jump. Uh, as soon as you step foot on campus, that's what they should be worried about. I always say if we ever get to the point where we could bring a psychologist to the recruiting visits when they go to the houses of these recruits and stuff like that, so they can feel the neighborhood and environment that these kids are getting recruited from. So now they know, like, hey, this kid have some challenges. Like, we need to make sure we check in on him. Uh, and it's going to be even more, like, better for the family to know, like, hey, we're here for his mental health. Um, we're going to make sure he's like mentally strong and make sure that, you know, he's on top of things in that perspective, not just being a football uh, player, not just being a tennis player, whatever it is. Uh, I think that'll go a long way as well. If we can get to that point of uh, resources where we can have a counselor or somebody come in on these recruiting visits and talk to families. No, I think that's an incredible idea because you know, you talk about, you know, the families having reassurance, you know, I know, you know, your parents really know you better than anyone in the world. Uh, and so I know for sure that, you know, when I was honestly dealing with struggles with alcoholism and depression and anxiety, my freshman year to cope with, you know, my struggles and my like self-worth, you know, I mean, my parents could tell for sure. They knew like every time they spoke to me, they're like, they're asking, are you okay? Are you okay? And you know, for me, I didn't, the like, same way with you, I had no idea what I was going through. I like, I, I thought it was just normal that I was supposed to be this upset because I was failing at my sport and I wasn't doing what I intended to do when I came here. And so, 
I think the reassurance of those, that family knowing that they, it's not just them that's supporting them, uh, supporting you as, as their child can be vital uh, in, in any person's life. But I think not only just in those recruitment areas, I think in any area of life for people that are struggling with mental health, I think that support system is the most important thing always. And so yeah. when you talk about the support system and things like that. In what ways did you find your coping mechanisms? Was it to reach out to the support system? Was it to go to these people directly, your friends, things like that? Um, how were you able to kind of learn to cope with your anxieties and your depressions and your struggles? Um, like, what were you going to? Um, you know, I had the luxury of having a, a sports psychologist like Dr. Day. Uh, that helped out a lot. I know everybody can't afford to go to a sports psychologist. Like, I, I don't have my scholarship anymore, so, like, I'm in the middle of a transition of finding another psychologist. But, um, you know, that helped out a lot, just being able to talk to someone every day uh, with no judgment, uh, just talking about anything and everything uh, that you wanted to really, really helped out a lot because it was like I was getting all those – inner feelings that I would usually typically keep in, uh, I was just getting them out. Uh, like now, I feel more comfortable uh, just talking to my family, my mom or somebody about, you know, if I'm having a bad day or something like that, I, I can do that. Uh, I also have like my, my uh, girlfriend to talk to. Just being able to talk to someone uh, has really helped me out a lot uh, throughout everything. And I think uh, anyone, for real, should be able to, you know, find out one person uh, that they can talk to. Uh, I have teammates who reach out to me all the time. Uh, like I'm one of their guys for them to, to talk to. And I think that's huge uh, for someone who has been in this very, very tough environment to be like, hey, bro, like, I need to talk about something. You have time to talk right now. And I'm always going to have time to talk about anything. So, um, you know, that's, that's been my coping mechanism, uh, just being able to reach out and talk to somebody, even if it's not the same person every time, at least just getting, getting those feelings out. No, 100%. And I think it becomes, for me at least, I, it became apparent that people want to help. You know, I think that was a big one for me. It's like I really struggled to share my feelings and my struggles because I thought, you know, why would they want to help me? You know, like I'm – struggling they're doing great like at least i think they're doing great and i was like why would they want why would i want to burden them you know i really struggled with that one and so i think the biggest thing that i learned is that inherently like your friends and your family want to help you and i think that's the biggest thing is especially in a world right now where like pandemic you know social injustice is rampant right now and everyone is going through something I think right now, you know, whether it be one of those things, something within their family, something within their sport. And it's so important to, I think like love and like sharing uh, emotions and really just having someone there for you is the answer. I think at the end of the day, I think people are going to politics and people are going to so many different things. But if you truthfully kind of realize that the world is inherently good, it's not this absolute mess. Like many people are really like trying to make it out to be that, I think that people will be like pleasantly surprised at how much help that people want to give. Right. Definitely. So, yeah. And I think 
you know, kind of moving forward into, you know, like the last couple of things is when you talk about this, you know, you're building this foundation that I think is so important. And have you found, you know, do you find like a release from yourself, like being able to help others? Does that give you, you know, like happiness and joy? And, you know, cause I know for me, like when I was having my mental health struggles, if I was able to reach out and help someone, it also helps you not only the person you're reaching out to, but I think you can feel bet a lot better about yourself realizing that you're trying to make an impact and like trying to help others and really like be there for the people that whether you need, you know, that they need it or not. Yeah. And, um, you know, I really like found my purpose. Uh, you know, I always felt like my purpose was to help, uh, people in some type of way. I wanted to be a sports therapist uh, or not therapist, a physical therapist. Uh, and, be able to just help athletes get back on the field or on the like into their sport from a physical standpoint. Like, always wanted to help some help people in some type of way, uh, but I've really found my purpose uh, in the mental health field. Um, you know, through my experiences, uh, and every time somebody reach out and say like, "Hey, um, great story about you," or "Thank you for sharing your story," like that right there is less like all all I need. I don't need someone to like come to me and say like, hey, how do I deal with depression or anything? Like, I don't need that extent, that in depth. Just say, if somebody was just like, hey, like I really needed to hear your story. Thank you for sharing. Like, that's all I need. That's because I share my story uh, so people know that they have an outlet. uh, So people don't feel like they have to stay in this box. And if I can just change and impact one person, at the time, like that's all I need uh, to be happy. And uh, thankfully enough, uh, a lot of people have my contact information. They'll reach out to me. Uh, so I just talked and spoke with some high school football players, and they all have my number. I went and watched one of their games. And, you know, they gave me tickets to the games and stuff. And you know, just the you know them that have the idea that, hey, I can reach out to Ashawn uh, if I need anything. Um, or, hey, like, Ashawn might have the answer to this question. Like, let me ask him. Like, just for them to know that uh, is, like, all the gratification that I need because, you know, I know that I'm, I'm impacting their lives. No, I think that's the biggest gratification anyone could have in their life is to know that you impacted someone else and you were a positive influence on their life and that you were able to you know, even in the smallest way, it doesn't matter how much, how little, uh, really able to help their day and I think help their life. And that's something I've found, you know, with the podcast as well as, you know, when someone comes to you about your story that, you know, there's nothing more that you really appreciate because, you know, at the end of the day, it's great to share our story, but it's better to impact people through it. I've always, I've always felt, and I think that's been something so important. So i uh, yeah, I, I know I appreciate it and I, you know, absolutely was touched and inspired by your story. And, you know, I think I really appreciate you just being willing to, you know, even come on and speak with me. Um, so that was awesome. And so I guess to kind of close off, if you could give uh, one piece of advice to somebody who's struggling right now um, or really going through something similar to what you did or any kind of adversity, what would it be? I would just say find someone who you can talk to about, uh, talk to it about. Uh, I feel like you know, a lot of times we uh, are scared, like you said, scared to you know reach out to people because you don't want to be a burden to them. But 
I'd be really be surprised on who will sit down and listen uh, and just be direct about, you know, what you're trying to talk about. Like, hey, like I'm having a bad day or, hey, like I've been feeling depressed for a while. Can you just listen? You don't have to respond or anything like that. I just want you to listen. If that's what you want, you know, speak out and tell that to that person. Or if you want them to respond, let them know. Like, hey, you can respond if you want, but you don't have to. Just anything like that. Uh, one thing that, you know, I'm trying to change about the mental health field is how we fabricate things, you know. Instead of saying suicide attempt, we say idealization. Uh, and it's like not a lot of people is going to know, like, you know, what that is right off the bat, unless they look into it. Uh, but, you know, I say suicide attempt because I want people to know, like, this is serious. Uh, this is not something to be sugar-coated. Like, um, I, had, I just had a guy um, from my hometown take his life. Uh, and the article uh, hasn't been, I don't think any articles have been released about it yet. It's just the whole idea that like this guy like took his life and um, we need to just be more serious about things like that uh, and not try to sugarcoat stuff uh, in the mental health field uh, and not to like keep going on a rant. But I think that was one of the issues with me not knowing the you know importance of my sports psychologist job because it was kind of like in a fabricated you know, sugar-coated uh, way that she presented um, herself to the team. And it's not her fault, you know, uh, but if we could just be more blatant and direct about things in the mental health field, I think it would just change the whole perspective because a lot of people, it's like an unknown topic to a lot of people. Sure. We can really just stop fabricating things and just say like, hey, let like, I'm depressed right now. Like, or I'm feeling depressed right now. Like, can you can you listen to me? Uh, I think that'll just go a long way. No, I agree. I mean, what you just said is the truest thing uh, I can think of because when I came into college, I a psychologist has never even come into my mind. Um, and I came, and you, you know, they come to your team and they basically say, "Yeah, like if you're having problems, if you know you're feeling off, like come to me." But as athletes, you're always told to not show emotion, not show pain. And so it makes you feel almost um, weak by going to a psychologist. And that's really how I think that they portray it uh, at this point. You know, at least a lot of people do. And a lot, that's how a lot of people view it. And I think, you know, making it more normal and realize that everyone is going through these similar things, you know, everyone, the, you know, I think something that was really important to me is when I went through, you know, my depressive state and my depression, and obviously it's something I still deal with today, but I learned that like, there's a very fine line between happiness and that darkness, you know, as it can be within a day, uh, honestly, that something like that can, you can just crack and something you're, you've been really struggling with in fact. And so I think, yeah, just really speaking out and being able to help people realize that that's not something that you're not weak you're actually helping yourself and you're being stronger by coming out and being willing to do something for yourself and help you and you know others around you i think too so i think that's an amazing point um i seen a video on tiktok last night uh and the guy was talking about looking at how you uh like your coping mechanism so how you cope with being sad and how you cope with being happy if you are 
a drinker when you're sad and you're a drinker when you're happy, the two things are being like, you know, combined. And so uh, it really like put a lot of perspective into things of how you uh, celebrate when you're happy to what you do when you're sad. And if you're doing the same thing, it's like your body and your brain is not, you know, dividing the dividing the two. Uh, so I don't know. I think that's I think that's a very good point uh, to for people to know is like think about how they cope with things when they're happy and when they're sad. Uh, try not to do the same thing. Uh, find different outlets uh, so your body knows the difference uh, and your brain knows the difference of what you're doing. Uh, I don't know. I just thought I would say that because it really put a lot of perspective into you know my life of how I do things and how I handle things. Uh, and so uh, I just thought other people should know that as well. No, I agree. I think, you know, personally, if I think back into like my past memories, I think you always associate like certain memories with a feeling, right. And stuff like that. And I think the way that people can really begin to do that is, you know, think about the times that you remember the most that you really like, that really stuck with you and you were able to be so happy from, and you were able to gain a sense of joy from. And I think, you can start to piece them together. You know, for me, I found that like when I'm stressed, I need running for me, you know, is my thing, you know, like I like to go out and I like to be in my thoughts and run and then, you know, uh, just like release some emotion. And then when I'm happy, uh, you know, for me, it was like, I like going out to dinner with my friends. I like to be around people. And so, you know, you think about the memories and like how you've been able to, you know, attach certain feelings to your past experience, I think is a really great way to be able to do that. Like you were just talking. No, I think awesome point. And Sean, thank you so much for coming on today, man. I'm super excited for everyone to hear your story. And, you know, I hope that, you know, they can all, or at least, you know, most be impacted and really understand, you know, how important some of these topics are and like what they can really do for someone. So uh, thank you so much, man. Yeah. Thanks for having me, man. Absolutely. My pleasure. All right, brother. Thank you. All right. See you.